0: Today, we're continuing on this series of what does Jesus change? Really digging into that question because it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we're 2,000 years later. Did Jesus really change anything about our everyday lives, about our communities? Because bad things still happen, there's still pain, there's still suffering. And so for today, we are continuing in the Gospel of John, which we were in last week. And the Gospel of John, like I said, it's unique. It is a little bit different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's got a little bit different kind of audience that first heard the words of John that were impacted by John. John was written later than the first three. And it seems to really hit on a couple of things that have happened. In the book of John, we get this tension between Christians and the Jewish community, that there's some angst there. And what we know historically is that really builds towards the end of the first century. It builds significantly after 70, which is when the temple was destroyed by the by the Romans the Jewish temple was destroyed by the Romans and it continues on the the relationship between Christians and Jews becomes problematic it becomes strained part of this is christians want to distance themselves from the jewish community especially as the romans are starting to crack down on the jews because there continues to be revolts there continues to be animosity between the two that the jews are like we want you out we don't want to be occupied by you anymore and the romans finally will destroy jerusalem in fact Not only destroy it, but they will rename it in 137. And by this point, Christians and Jews are definitely on opposite ends of certain things. And so there's a tension in the community that we see in the book of John. And the book of John, also the writer is giving us a perspective of here are some stories of Jesus that are, actually dealing with that tension, are actually digging into the tension of when things aren't going well, when there seems to be some problems, even animosity, how do we begin to negotiate that and go forward? And so the story that we're looking at this morning takes real aim at who Jesus is, of understanding how the Jewish authorities are understanding him, how the regular everyday people are kind of getting uh, an understanding of who he is. And we're even gonna see this thing come up about him being the Messiah, the Christ, Christos, just the Greek definite Greek term of the Jewish term Messiah. And that we get this also, this like, wait a minute, this isn't okay, which is very interesting. Because at the time of Jesus, in the first century, there were lots of people running around claiming to be the Messiah. In fact, they were even doing miracles of some sort, even some healing. And so it's kind of interesting that we're going to have an issue now. And where we're coming into this story is kind of the latter half of it. If, it. if you want to go check out the first part, it is all of chapter 9 of John. And it gives you a sense of what happens when Jesus is really living into, I am healing, I am helping, I am here to transform lives. I am here to change the way you live. So beginning in chapter 9, verses 18 through 23. The Jewish leaders didn't believe the man had been blind and received his sight until they called for his parents. The Jewish leaders asked them, Is this your son? Are you saying he was born blind? How can he now see? His parents answered, We know he is our son. We know he was born blind. But we don't know how he now sees. And we don't know who healed his eyes. Ask him, he's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they feared the Jewish authorities. This is because the Jewish authorities had already decided that whoever confessed Jesus to be the Christ would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why his parents said, he's old enough, ask him. All right, so the story begins with verse 1. 17 verses earlier than this. Jesus sees this guy. He comes up to him. The guy is known as a beggar. He has been known as being born blind. He is sitting there. Jesus listens to him. Jesus then spits in the mud, making spits into the dirt, making mud, smears it on the guy's eyes. He then tells the guy, hey, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the guy does, and when he wipes away the mud, the guy can see. A very unique story, this particular way of healing, not spoken of in any of the other Gospels. What's also interesting about this story is it starts off with people assuming, making the assumption that this guy or his parents sinners and that's why the guy was born blind and Jesus immediately is like yeah no that's not true and it's important to remember that the word sin means mark and how John uses the term sin is to give us a sense that when we sin we are disconnected from God that we are disconnected we are not in relationship with and so for John Jesus is showing in the book here in this story that, wait a minute, no, 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 this guy, he was born blind, but he's not disconnected from God and nor are his parents. And the Jewish authorities, they have called for the guy because they've heard he's been healed, He he can see, even though he had been born blind, and they don't believe what the guy has to say. They don't believe him at all. So they call in his parents. And so starting there, they don't believe him because they have a particular perspective about who this guy is. He's nothing more than a beggar. He's nothing more of society. He is not worthy of. There's a difference in him from everybody else and they don't want anything to do with it. And they still have this perspective of trying to get at Jesus. They're like, wait a minute, Jesus help this guy? Yeah, no, we are not okay with this. And so they call for the parents and the parents come and they question, yeah, that's our son. Yes, he, he was born blind and yes, he can now see, but why don't you go talk to him? Now, the narrator of the story Is like, well, the parents answered this way because they feared the Jewish authorities. They feared being expelled, removed from the community, and so they were like passing it off. But here's another thing that's happening. Here's something else to keep in mind, that these parents are like, no, this guy, our son is perfectly capable, perfectly capable of having a conversation, of dialoguing, of speaking to this experience that he has had. Of speaking of this transformation, he is perfectly capable. You may have seen him incapable, unworthy, not able to do anything except for sit and beg. But we're telling you, he is capable of far more. So go ask him. And so here the parents are giving a little bit different perspective, inviting the Jewish authorities of saying, wait a minute, our son, our son has a voice. Our son can speak. He is capable. And to think about that mentality of changing up our perspective when we think something is only one way, when we only can understand a person in one way, we can miss so many other aspects of that person, which really kind of hits at what we were talking about last week of identity. But this week we are pushed even further when the Jewish authorities... Okay, they listened to these parents, and so they call him back in. Verse 24 through 27. Therefore they called a second time for the man who had been born blind and said to him, give, God, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. The man answered, I don't know whether he's a sinner. Here's what I do know. I was blind, and now I see. They questioned him, What did he do to you? How did he heal your eyes? He replied, I already told you, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? All right, so they call the guy back in. They are not pleased with having to call him back in, and so they are going to question him. Instead of being excited for this guy, instead of being able to celebrate, instead of being like, wow, transformation. Your life is going to completely change in the way that you can interact and engage with people. You have a new perspective on life, but they don't think they can learn anything from him, and he calls them out on that. He's like, I don't know if that guy is a sinner. I don't I don't know if he's disconnected from God, but what I do know is that I can see I was Born, and I had one perspective. I had one way of engaging with the world. And now this guy has come through, and he has made it so much bigger. He has given me an experience that has transformed my very life, transformed the way that I am going to conduct myself every single day, not just for myself, but with others. And so then the Jewish authorities, these authorities, they... They slide back into, well, then, okay, well, tell us how it happened. And the guy's like, no, no, no. I've already told you how it happened. And you wouldn't listen. So here, this guy is challenging the authorities, challenging their perspective, challenging their perspective on Jesus and challenging their perspective on him. He's also challenging them In a perspective of possibility the authorities are like no impossible it can never happen and it the guy's like "Mm, not with this guy this guy makes all kinds of things possible he makes new life possible he makes transformation possible we thought we could only live one way and this guy comes and is like no there's so much more to life when we get connected to god when we open up our perspectives our eyes our being to new things and so the authorities are about to have a response to that they insulted him you are his disciple but we are Moses disciples we know that God spoke to Moses but we don't know where this man is from the man answered This is incredible. You don't know where he's from, yet he healed my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. God listens to anyone who is devout and does God's will. No one has ever heard of a healing of the eyes of someone born blind. If this man wasn't from God, he couldn't do this. So immediately they attack him. They attack this man who has been healed, whose life has been transformed, who should be in the moment of the greatest celebration of his life. He is being attacked once again for his differences. Because that's not how they think it should have gone. And so he responds. "You." He responds to them going, wait a minute, okay, you can say you're Jesus' disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. And what's interesting about that, Jesus constantly is pointing back to many of the laws of Moses. In fact, that great law that comes out of Leviticus is to love God and to love neighbor. Jesus didn't make it up. Jesus was pulling from. Jesus often was highlighting the aspects of the law that many others forgot because they were life-giving instead of controlling. And so here we get this sense from the authorities they're just wanting to put everybody down because that's not how they would have done it. That's not how they perceive the world. That's not how they perceive God. That's not how they perceive we should live. And so here, the man is challenging. The man is challenging the authorities by continuing to point to Jesus, continuing to point to the connection to God. And when he says... This is incredible. You don't know where he is from, yet he healed my eyes. You want to talk about where he's from, but you're not talking about this amazing life that he is giving. You are not talking about how he can help us thrive, how he helped me thrive, but how he can help you thrive. You want to get caught up in this detail over here when we need to broaden our perspective broaden our perspective of possibility. But then he says something kind of interesting, and maybe when I read through it, you kind of went, wait a minute, what did that say? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. God listens to anyone who is devout and does God's will. No one has ever heard of a healing of the eyes of someone born blind. If this man wasn't from God, he couldn't do this. And you may be, you hear that and you're like, wait a minute, I thought all of us sin, I thought all of us at some... All of us screw up. None of us are perfect. All of us sin and fall short of the glory of God, right? That's why there is grace. That's why there's forgiveness and compassion and mercy. And so wait a minute, because I screw up and I don't get it right and I have trouble with, God doesn't hear me? It's not what the guy's saying. The guy is pointing out that healing, that Healing and thriving and life and transformation comes from God. It doesn't come from somebody else. It doesn't come from It doesn't come from destructive forces. It doesn't come from ill intent. That Jesus being able to heal, Jesus being able to help us thrive is directly connected to God. Because when we get disconnected from God, when we get that relationship is kind of severed, that's when crazy things can start to happen. That's when maybe, maybe we don't care about our worth nor anyone else's. Or when we are struggling to hear love and compassion That when we get disconnected, maybe anger starts to take root or angst or anxiousness. Peace gets shoved aside. And so this guy is pointing to the fact that healing, goodness, compassion, mercy, thriving in life comes from God, and Jesus is a part of that. That that is the life that Jesus is living, and that this guy has experienced that by coming into contact with Jesus, that this guy has experienced a life renewed, a life of possibility because of that connection with Jesus, which is connected to God. And here, things get worse as this guy is trying to point to connection and healing, as he is trying to point to love as he is trying to point to a new way of living and understanding a new perspective of his life and the world around him. Verse 34, they responded, you were born completely in sin. How is it that you dare to teach us? Then they expelled him. So they are so firmly rooted They are so firmly entrenched in their perspective that their way is the only way of thinking that they have removed any possibility of how God is working in the world, of how God is working in and through others, of how God can show up in the unexpected, of how God's healing presence can be in a moment that was once thought impossible. And so they not only react and call him something that he is disconnected from God. You are mistaken, sir. You are not connected to God. You may have been healed. You may be trying to live this new way, but impossible. And so they expel him from the community. His differences, his differences already made him a problem for the community to begin with. He was a beggar. They really didn't care about him. They didn't see him as worthy. And now that he has yet another difference about him, that he has been changed and transformed, now they're like, no, you don't don't get to be part of us. You don't get to be part of our group. You don't get to be part of our friends. And so they remove him from being part of the community. They say you are not worthy once again. Not that they ever said he was. And so in this moment, this very low moment where this guy should have been able to be celebrating, he should be filled with joy that, and maybe he is, but others are not playing along with it. Others are not soaking up that joy. They're not celebrating with him. This is the moment where jesus shows back up right jesus has not been present he's been talked about a whole lot but after he healed he disappears for like 20 verses it's like the longest period of time in the book of john where jesus kind of disappears they're all talking about him they're all trying to figure out what in the world's going on they've all got a perspective and here when this guy is thrown out, when he is said he is not worthy, when he is said, "Ah, we don't love you, we're not trying to understand. you are nothing. That's when Jesus shows back up. Finishing up in verses 35 through 38, Jesus heard they had expelled the man born blind. Finding him, Jesus said, "Do you believe in the human one?" He answered, "Who is he, sir?" I I want to believe in him. Jesus said, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. Jesus shows back up in this fairly low moment where the guy is out of community. Possible relationships, what few relationships he did have are possibly severed at this point. What we would say, what a low point. What a low point for doing the right thing. What a low point for experiencing good transformation, healthy transformation in life. What in the world? He is expelled, and here Jesus shows up. And he asks this question, and maybe we think, well, that's a little weird to ask. Do you believe in the human one? And that can also be translated as son of man. And the usage of that term that usage in the common, the common Jewish usage of the time was to mean the one who is ushering in the final judgment of God. That it was something to look forward to. And here Jesus asked this question, and he's like, "Well, I want to. Do I know him?" And Jesus is like, "It's me." And so Jesus. Takes this moment, this common term uh, that is used for the future, and says, No, God's judgment is happening presently in my life, in the way that I'm living, in the way that I am engaging with the world around, in the way that I am the presence of God in the midst of everyone. And what do we know about Jesus? About this judgment? He is compassionate, he is healing, he is helpful, he gives people an identity in love. He says, no, come on, you are worthy, you are created in God's image, let's go. He invites this guy into this work. He invites this guy into living the compassion, into living healing, into living this respect for others, in living into inviting others, come on, into the community. So other people don't like you, so you've been cast out, so you've been said you aren't worthy because of one thing. Come on, how can we be together in that? How can we begin to live differently with one another and in the world? Around us, how can we be that God, that presence, that healing presence? How can we be that love, that compassion that's needed? How can we invite others? And this guy, he gets excited. He gets excited. And he said, "Okay, I'm in. Like I am totally in." And he worships Jesus. He's so excited. He's so excited to live into this transformed life. He is so excited for the new possibilities that way. He's so excited for all this new perspective on the way to engage the world around him, how to engage others, how to be creating community that he is like, I am now worshiping, I am now following, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And so to think about that for ourselves, there's perspectives that we hold in our lives, the perspectives that maybe aren't so healthy, the perspectives that hold us back, that perspectives that get us in a rut, that it is only one way and it can only be one way that removes the possibilities. And here, here, Jesus is inviting us, just as he is inviting the man, to a new way of living and being of living into that transformation, of embodying that compassion, that kindness, that love, embodying that sense of, wait a minute, there is a different way. I can be on one path, but with God, I can certainly take another. And so for ourselves, for the people that surround us, for the communities that we live in, How will we allow this story to challenge our perspectives about one another, to challenge our perspectives about how to live with one another, challenge our perspectives about how we ourselves can live when we are connected to God, when we are connected to the life of Jesus, when we are willing to try and embody the risen Christ? Amen.